Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. He is at home after a very busy weekend in which he's done lots of work and we hope that you're resting up, James, after a fine weekend. However, with me is our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly. Hi, Andy. Hi, Dorley. I can report uh, James's box-setting Gamora, by the way. Oh, the is moment. he? Yes, he is. yeah. He's, Four he's, episodes in. Is that just preparing him for when he comes in next and decides <laughs> to take it out on you? Well, if he, if he starts reaching for an inside pocket, I'm a bit worried <laughs> what might come out. Uh, also joining us is Christian Walsh. Hi, Christian. Hello, Ian. And the man who puts the S into social... It's Joe Rimmer. Hiya, oh, Joe. Hello, Ian. Hiya, Joe. How you doing? You all right? I'm great. I'm lovely. Excellent. Now, Andy, you were, unlike, certainly unlike me or Joe, I'm not sure whether Christian was there, at the game on Saturday, Liverpool against West Ham United. A 4-1 victory for the Reds, which has kept them in the top four. Uh, you were pretty impressed with them, weren't you? It's hard not to be, mate, to be honest. I mean, I think I wrote that it was you know, somewhere in there that it was, you know, it was a real, watching this Liverpool team can be a real joy. At times, and I think the manager echoed that. And um, it was one of those performances where it was a good contest for until Liverpool got the opening goal and that opened things out. Arnaudovic was a threat for them, um, and Liverpool were sort of, you know, thankful to carry it for a good save to stop them taking the lead. So there was a game there to be played, and it's a bit like Porto because the first twenty minutes in Porto were really difficult, I thought as well, and then Liverpool went got the opening goal and things moved from there. And again, on Saturday, once Liverpool scored, he felt um, they'd go on and win the game. And obviously, um, the front three did their thing, all got on the score sheet. They all should have had more, which the manager did speak about. I mean, the game probably should have ended something like 8-2 or something, do you know what I mean? It was one of those. And uh, I know a lot of the lads in the pod last week suggested a 3-1 win. I thought it might be a bit tighter than that. And, uh, you know, 4-1, can't argue. Just a really enjoyable game. I think you felt that from fans afterwards. I mean, Christian, an 8-2 game in which David Moyes' team's playing, you don't often hear that <laughs> being a, 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 likely, a likely thing that could be happening. But he came out and said some very nice things after the game about Liverpool. You know, Pablo Zabaleta said some very nice things as well. I mean, these opponents, it, it's shades in some ways of 2013-14, where every time a team would play Liverpool, certainly in the second half of that season, you'd come away going, bloody hell, they're good. Yeah, it's it's. I I almost think that the, the the people who underrate Liverpool the most sometimes are, are Liverpool fans in a way. I don't. Obviously, everybody is the likes with most salaries being deified essentially by the Liverpool support since he's got here. Roberto Firmino is now the most rated, underrated player I've ever, I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody Definitely says, is, you know, uh, and Sadio Mane, again, everybody was saying he'll get out of a slump, he'll get out of a slump, and all, all of a sudden he's hit the same number of goals that he hit in his debut season. But at the same time, I don't think, I think Liverpool fans should maybe take a step back at some point and, and appreciate what they're saying at the moment. It, 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 it's, it's some team, and it's only one short at this stage of the season, that the 2013-14 team had with Suarez, Sturridge, uh, Gerrard, Sterling and Coutinho. And what they're doing there is it's breathtaking at times. They're, 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 they're absolutely destroying teams. I think that the one difference between this and the 2013-14 team, well, there's two differences. Number one, they're not going for the title because obviously Man City are just head and shoulders above everybody else. But number two, it does feel like, despite all of the moans about the... Defending and 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 the setup of the team. This team feels like it's more in control. It feels like they're not only 
battering teams, but the battering teams on their terms. If that makes sense, it's not becoming a, a duel at dawn. It's not becoming a, a shootout. It's very much this team are so much better than this team, and they're going to show that superiority over ninety minutes. Well, they're about to be in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, and you wouldn't have expected the the twenty thirteen fourteen team to do that, as was proven by the following season where they didn't even get out of the group. Exactly, and I, I don't think. I mean, I'm sure, we'll move on to players like Van Dijk at some point today, but. You know he's made such a difference just in the, in the in the setup of the team and how high they can defend, how comfortable they are on the ball, how you know basically how the shape of the team looks now with him in. I know he had a bit of a stinking against West Brom in the cup, but I think maybe that was because Mignolet was behind them. I just think that Carius Van Dijk thing. There's been a few iffy moments between them in terms of communication, but you can tell that Van Dijk is bringing the best out of Carius and Carius is, is thriving with Van Dijk. Just the whole setup of the team at the moment seems right. So you look at the midfield and on paper you say, you know, you saw it before the game, you go, plodding that maybe, you know, Chan, Milner, Oxley Chamberlain can have a, a five out of a ten game or an eight out of a ten game. But it just works at the moment. It's just the the, the, the fully in control, the fully, you know, keeping teams at arm's length and they're looking really good value for the, for the top four. I just think everybody's talking about how good they are Apart from maybe Liverpool fans, I think they know that they're a good team, but I don't think they realise just how good. Joe, do you think the point that Christian's making there, do you think that some Liverpool fans are maybe a little bit too, for want of a better word, afraid of thinking, oh, this is a good team, because you know that they haven't really, in terms of the silverware, the thing that you want, they haven't achieved anything. Because I was having this conversation with somebody the other day, an Everton fan, about what you deem a success and what is success. And for, for clubs, ultimately, a success is winning something. But for a season to be successful, you don't have to actually win something. You just have to improve again. And I don't think there can be any argument that this Liverpool team is better than last season's team. But I think fans are just wary of until they actually do actually win something. They don't want to commit to, yeah, we're great. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think the Liverpool fans have had their fingers burnt so many times in terms of you've seen a team improve, improve, improve and get to that point where you think there's only one final step, the final piece in the jigsaw sort of cliché. And then they drop away, and I, and I, that's why I think that you know little things like you know I heard some people say on Saturday that they conceded a goal, but it, it didn't matter, and they they're blowing teams away, so it doesn't matter if they concede the old goal. But I think that people hang up on these sort of defensive issues or little things because they're worried that they could drop away again next season or if they lose a player in the summer. Um, but yeah, I think I, th- I think every uh, every fan of every team in the country. Is probably guilty of being too critical and not enjoying the team enough, aren't they? You know, and I think Liverpool fans are only are only following that trend. Um, but it's a, it's a tremendous side. I think if they can just make one or two tweaks, they could become a really good team. I think Van Dijk, just picking up on what Christian said about Van Dijk, I think he's made a lot of difference, and, and at both ends as well. Because I noticed that you know it was good to see them score from a corner and and break the deadlock that way because then it opened the game up. And I think he draws players into him from corners because he's, he's a threat. Well, he, was, allowed, he was around the back, yeah. wasn't he? Because if Chad hadn't exactly. died, then maybe Van Dijk would have done. And, and you think it, perhaps teams are almost doubling up on him and it allows other players to get in there. It was good to see Chan score. So, yeah, he's made a difference. I mean, the top four, Andy, they, we, we've been speaking about this all season, but the race now, there's 10 games to go. It's unbelievably tight, isn't it? I mean, you're looking at Can, can we all now dismiss Arsenal? I know we're all very wary, given the fact that the way that they ended last season and you know, I think they wanted that eight game. Game I think they need to win ten out of the eleven, don't they? They basically need if, if they're gonna if they're gonna 
on the current points per game ratio, I think they've got to get 31 points out of the last Are we, we going to rule them out then? I, I just don't think they're good enough. You know, I said before, in, when we <clears> mentioned <throat> had a little chat about the, the cup final on Sunday last in the last pod, that you know ultimately the two football playing sides, but Manchester City are just much better than them. Okay, so, and so are we saying City are going to win the league? Yes, <laughs> that's a less less contentious <laughs> yes. observation there. It's so really that means so that so that leaves basically there's four teams into three positions, and I know we could be here all day to having to arguments about is the top four what teams should be aiming for, but the reality is that's what they've got left now. At the start of the season, I'm sure none of these teams went let's finish fourth or whatever, but that's what they've got to aim for now. Four teams into into three positions, you know, United, Tottenham, Liverpool won at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating that Tottenham got a you know, last-minute winner from a, an entirely preventable corner kick with uh, Fonsu Mensah just sort of deciding to have a cigar before he cleared it um, for, for Spurs. So they came within a minute of dropping two big points there. They deserve to win the game by a long way, obviously, uh, and to go to Palace and sort of boss the game like that was quite, quite impressive. But again, didn't you know, you just wait for... I mean, Kane was having a bit of an off day, wasn't he? He missed a couple of good chances. and then, left-footed. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, just reading your piece today and I'm looking at the run-ins and, you know, Tottenham are the, are the form team of the last 10 games for those teams. Liverpool not far behind them. Um, the one that looks vulnerable is Chelsea because you assume Mourinho will get United over the line. They're also, you know, ahead of everybody else at the moment after winning. Um I actually didn't mind United winning yesterday because Liverpool a four-point gap to Chelsea. We obviously still have to go to Stamford Bridge, which um, can be a tough game, albeit it's the penultimate game of the season. But you know that could be absolutely vital. So yeah, you never sit there and support United. But of the two, the one I wanted least was Chelsea getting three points there because I just think Mourinho will get it done at United. However, it might not be pretty, but you'll get them in the top four. So we're looking to knock somebody else out, and therefore I see Chelsea and Spurs as the ones who've got the best chance of doing that too. I mean, you look at Chelsea, and they really do have the potential of falling off a cliff. I mean, you could argue that they already have in a, in a sense after the, you know the Watford game and the Bournemouth game. Well, saying in the last ten games, Swansea have taken the same amount of points, and Bournemouth have taken more. And 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 it's not as if they've got anything up the sleeve. If that makes sense, I don't feel like. They've made the summer Saturday. Sorry, they made the January signings. Well, he's he's not even putting Barkley on the bench anymore. He's injured. Well, so he can't he can't call upon him. This Emerson's hardly got a game. Um, Giroud was on the bench. Giroud, he's not really seeming to to, to to bring him into it. Morata looks like he's struggling. Their only hope, really, I think, of getting top four is is an Eden Hazard inspired last ten games, and even then. But he's had a long season. I think it's Will I am is the one who's inspiring. Will I am? Will I He doesn't even play every week, though, does he? he well, I think he does now. Right? No, yeah. he left him out last week, didn't he? Well, I only I know because he's in my fantasy he's in, football. He's, <laughs> he's, in, he's playing <laughs> the big games, contact. isn't he? I mean, he used to leave him out some of those. But, I mean, he's playing lovely stuff. Obviously, you fired one straight through to Hay yesterday, William, and he's a good player, but... Chelsea were the better side at Old Trafford yesterday, but still managed to lose the game. But that's United. And, United, and that's, United did a number on. You could tell from the start they knew exactly what they were going to do, and even when they went behind, they just went, "We're going to carry on doing this because we know it'll get rewards." And it did. It's a classic Mourinho. The thing about Chelsea as well. Looked at the fixtures. They actually really. I mean, they've got hard fixtures anyway, but Liverpool can really steal a march over them over the next over the next month um, up until Easter weekend. So I'm just having a look through here. 
Liverpool play Newcastle on the Saturday. Let's say that's. I mean, I know it's Rafa coming back and all that, but let's say they win, that'll be a seven-point gap, and then Chelsea got City away, could easily be a defeat there. So that could be at seven. Um, Liverpool then goes to United, and then Chelsea host Palace. So could you know, three point yeah, could another three-point swing. But then this is where it probably gets interesting. Liverpool host Watford, and Chelsea don't have a game because of the FA Cup. They're in the quarter-finals. And then Liverpool play Palace in the early kickoff on the Saturday, and then Chelsea host Spurs on the Sunday. So we're away at Palace, are we? Away at Palace. I mean, you know, it is, but I mean, it's it's, it's a massive best case scenario this in a way. But you could be looking at Chelsea go playing that Spurs game, and they could be nine, ten points behind Liverpool with, a, with albeit with a game in hand and a game at Stamford Bridge to come. But if Liverpool were to have a, a, a cushion like that going into April. And that would be a must-win for Chelsea. And of course, if Chelsea were to win, then that was would, would hit Spurs. So Liverpool seems to be in a really good position. You're dead right. Those little gaps at this stage of the season, they, they might matters, not seem much, it? but they matter. Yeah, they you know they just keep teams and that four points at Andy's tournament just keeps them at arm's length and means that if Liverpool keep their end of the bargain, beat Newcastle next week, you go to Old Trafford, not desperately needing to win there. You can you can get a point or you can you can even lose and not completely suffer. So I. You know, it is really key that they make sure that those home games against the likes of West Ham, the likes of Newcastle, they pick up the points and don't. We don't need to see any more of those silly draws or even defeats. That's it. As we said before this weekend, in the knowledge that Man U were playing Chelsea, it doesn't matter what they do. If Liverpool get their three points, then any result there has a knock-on of yeah. possible positivity for Liverpool, yeah. and that's what happened. <clears throat> we got our three points, played a good game. Everybody left Anfield happy on Saturday. You know. Um, and then you can sit and watch Chelsea United, and yeah, you're probably looking for a couple of suspensions and the the off injury, if if truth be told. But um, apart from that, um, you know, it's 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 a it's a anything that happens is is a win for Liverpool, and uh, Chelsea losing uh, ultimately is helps Liverpool in terms of the top four. I mean, the thing about it is that we're in a similar position, perhaps, to last season where you know there was 10 games to go and Liverpool were in about, not with as many teams, but you know, fans will sit down and look at those home games and go, right, we need to win those five, because I think we've worked it out that if they get 16 or 18 points, it's more or less, you know, history suggests that's enough for them to finish in the top four, win your five home games. But last season, we could have said the same thing. Liverpool got beat by Palace, Jerusalem. drew with Southampton, mm-hmm. but still managed to get in the top four. It doesn't work out the way that it's supposed to. All of those teams will drop points and not just against each other in those games. That's what we know that 100%. Last game is home to Brighton, is it? Yeah. Which, I mean, similarly to last season, we all, we all said, you know, home to Middlesbrough, if we need to win it, we'll win it. We needed to win it. At half-time, I'm not sure. Everybody thought we were definitely going to win it. But they did but win it, though. That's they the did thing. win it. Yeah. And you'd think again, for all that, I mean, especially a scenario that Brighton aren't doing too bad at the moment and, there's even well, a possibility we can't, we, can't, we can't guess what's going on no, at the bottom no, of the but, table they, know, they could be down by that point well they could be but I, I actually think they'll stay up and I actually think they'll be safe by the last day I'm going to put my neck on the line here I think Liverpool avoid any injuries I think they'll finish second a brave yeah, I, I mean, fancy even... think they're going in the right direction and I think they've got firepower and I think the, the games just having a little look through the fixture list before with you I think the games favour them I think they do the other thing the other thing that Christian points out with these this is that all the other teams are in the FA Cup, yeah. so they're yeah. going to have 
games rearranged and Liverpool, because I had a check, all of their games are going to be at the time that, you know, they may move for television purposes, but they're not going to have any rescheduled no, no. games for, for midweek. So Liverpool will almost always now be going first. So they'll have the chance to, you know, put their points on, certainly to the last couple of games of the season, to put their points up there and then say to the others, OK, come on. It helps. It really helps in terms of momentum and pressure on the others, doesn't it? And, uh, and then, then there's the Champions League and there could mm. easily well, was, be an all, an all English game, which could distract whoever's in it. I was just about to say with Joe's prediction there, the, the one, I, I, I don't disagree with Joe in terms of, I think Liverpool can definitely get second if they stay clear of injuries. But the big, um, the big difference maker is going to be Europe and yes. who gets through and who doesn't. I mean, <clears throat> in a way, I think Liverpool fans, as hard as it might be for them to accept this, will certainly want to be supporting Chelsea to keep them in the tournament maybe for an extra round. They probably want to be supporting Tottenham. Man City doesn't really matter. I don't think anyone can bring themselves to want United to get a step closer <laughs> yeah, to, number, yeah. to number four. I can't, but, I can't think of any reason why Liverpool fans would want to be supporting Barcelona's opposition this season anyway. Well, 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 that's the, well you know, that aside, in terms of we obviously want the, the, the worst teams through, but... I, I don't think it. I don't think it matters in terms. I think actually getting through in Europe will boost those sides in terms of their mentality. I think a lot of them will will be very disappointed if they go out, and actually that will have a hangover effect for them. And I think it casts a little bit of a cloud over clubs. So I and there's also the financial element for Liverpool. The fewer English teams go through, the less we have to split our TV money later on. So for me. I want all of them out. <laughs> <laughs> now we know we know City are going through. We know their favourites for the tournament. Tottenham will go through as well, um, and United. I'm not having Tottenham Juventus you know, as I, definitely. Really, you know, or United, an yeah. Italian side that needs to come and win a game one 0 I'd never, I'd never put a lot of money on them not doing it to go through. So we'll see. Um, Severe, United, Severe, United should be. Severe, Severe, not good. I think Old Trafford, United are they're a good side at defending Leeds, but I don't I don't know I don't I just I could could see that. Happen. I think they'll all they probably will all go through apart from I don't see Chelsea yeah, going to the new camp and, uh, and doing anything. So um, yeah, it's um, but I, I you know I, the one thing that's hanging over Liverpool is the possibility of I know we're talking as if we're in the quarterfinals, but you have to when you're five nil away. <laughs> okay, and, but I know it annoys some people listening, but. Um, the one thing hanging over it is the possibility of an All England draw in the quarter final, and well, that's that's the distraction we were talking about. I'd love, yeah, you know, Liverpool to get Shakhtar Donetsk, or what, or that, is it Shakhtar and Roma? Is that yeah, tie yeah, that that's the one that everybody, on, yeah. everybody wants the winner of that? Still be a hard tie, but I'd love like you know United Spurs to come out or, or whatever if they're both through and yeah. uh, let them have that distraction, as you say. But you know. There could be five English teams in in the, the eight, eight, in yeah. the last eight. Your chances of getting one, well, you I do the maths. I don't want anything to do with United in the in the championship. Well, of course, there is. As as I can't remember who is that mentioned it. There is the possibility that one of those four, te- one of those five teams could finish outside the top four, win the Champions League, and Arsenal win the Europa League. They get in the Champions League, and it means that fourth place doesn't doesn't give you a Champions League berth. God, Ian, <laughs> where, where, where have you produced that from? That's Arsenal just that's numbers. That's numbers. That's numbers. Well, the, the there, there are a lot of good teams in the Europa League, aren't there? Yeah. But um, for all that, clearly English teams this season are shown in the Champions League that it's in a good way at the moment and strong compared to other leagues. I would say, and um, so 
it's not. Is that kind of going back to typical Liverpool and the fact that the, the last time they nearly won the league was 2014 and they were up against a Man City team who were, who were very good? And then in 2007, 8, 9, when Liverpool were perhaps at their peak, it just happened that the other three best, amongst the best teams in, the, in Europe, happened to be the other three teams they were competing against yeah. in. Uh, for the Premier League, which is why they didn't win it, and they're in the kind of the same situation again here. Well, you know what? If you, how good would this this season could easily have been a title challenging season? Do you know what I mean? In the sense of how Liverpool have generally played, generally the results as well, and City have just had an, such a completely amazing season ultimately, but they've also had those bits and Klopp occasionally just references this and I always think it's a where he's thinking about making up his points next season he talks about the fact that you know they've scored so many goals late on to win games at the games. start of the season they won um, that little run of Sundays where Raheem scored, Sterling just kept on scoring all the winners scored late yeah. on against yeah. Huddersfield didn't need to get a three in Bournemouth and, and they, they Palace did, missed a penalty in the last minute that's right yeah. and they, they good sides do that and those things happen to good sides but I think there's a bit of Klopp thinking you know what? You could easily have dropped nine or so points there, and then, you know, you're looking at being, you know, six or seven behind rather than nearly twenty, and trying to put on a bit of pressure. I think what Klopp will be thinking is that City can't kick on from here, but Liverpool can, and that's 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 where he's got his his real promise because I think he feels that City haven't been lucky by any by any stretch they deserve to win the league at a canter. But I can't see them doing that next season, whereas I could see Liverpool or any of the other teams for that matter, um, you know, certainly United um, and, and Tottenham, kicking on even further next season. They, yeah. they, they could improve at the back, City still, can't they? I mean, they, well, have, they, have, they have bought millions of defenders over they, the past. But they lost one for most of the season in Mendy, didn't they? And he was a. You know, he well, was... they got another two left backs and they've just bought a centre back and they had John Stones already, didn't they? Yeah, so but I mean, when they were coming to Anfield in the pod, I remember saying. Where you can see them is you can get at them at the back, and that's exactly what Liverpool did. Didn't is they? that so, not to do with the style of play, though, rather than the players, or is it a bit of both? Well, it's definitely a bit of both because you can still look more solid. Liverpool are doing exactly that, aren't they? We we've got a style of play where everyone says, "Oh, well, you're always going to score against Liverpool," but put better players in there, and that reduces that, which probably brings us nicely on to talk about um, some of the players from Saturday, like indeed our Virgil. Indeed, yeah, but I'm not going to. I'm going to talk about Mo Salah instead. <laughs> He's very good here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's just before I forget. Uh, don't normally mention Piers Morgan in this, and don't really want to, but he uh, caused a bit <laughs> don't of normally <laughs> never mention Piers Morgan. In this. <laughs> he caused a bit of consternation on Twitter, certainly an argument with Gary Neville, where I think it's right in saying Piers Morgan has declared that Mohamed Salah is the best Premier League player since Thierry Henry. It's just mad, isn't it? Really, as good as he is, and, and as as magnificent of a season he's having. I mean, that's just Piers Morgan. That's just him being completely and utterly overreactionary. Mo Salah on his day could be the best Premier League player. I mean, why Henri? Why not Ronaldo? I mean, there we go. There's the answer. Ronaldo's the answer. Suarez. Suarez has been. Salah hasn't even been the best Liverpool player. Steven Gerrard, you know, was there when 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 Henri was there, but. The big thing about Salah is that he's, and this will sound so cheerless because he's done it for 36 games, but it's still such a small sample size compared to somebody like Henri or when yeah. you're talking about mm. you've the got Premier think. League greats or whatever, you've got to, you've got to produce it over a, over a certain amount of time. You've also, and it's not necessarily his fault this, you've also got to win trophies. Do you know what holds Salah back? That when you pull him for him and you're driving down the road 
doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. Thank you. Yeah, Mo, if you're listening. Which he isn't. When I pull in to let you pass, <laughs> just wait, raise your hand, say thanks, okay? No. So we have found a Salah weakness. Yeah. He's, he's not a good he's letter on, yeah. Yeah. on the road. He's got you, terrible driving. You re- did you get really angry, by the way? Because that really annoys me. When you let somebody out and no. then you kind of, kind of then you wave it. and then they don't. Isn't that Mo Salah? That's Mo Salah. He didn't thank me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think rude etiquette is very different in Egypt. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've been to yeah. Egypt and it certainly is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. driving a different side of the rope, for that? Well, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why he was confused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Andy. An opportunity then to speak about some of the players who were playing on Saturday. Uh, you did the ratings, and uh, you caused a little bit of consternation amongst uh, certain sections of Liverpool support by giving Andrew Robertson or Andy Robertson a seven. A lot of fans who watched the game thought he was like, oh, he's definitely worth a nine. And you you have an opinion on this, don't you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I caused a huge amount of consternation in that uh, there was no nines floating around the pit. It was a really good collective performance on Saturday. You couldn't give the front players nine because all of them had misses. Do you know what I mean? Uh, ten's virtually impossible to get. The, you get nines if you're absolutely bang on and they all, they all miss chances. Um, so they were all on eight, and Robertson I had on eight in my halftime ratings actually because he was really involved first half. He was just a bit quieter second half, and I know that people have people are now. I mean, he's firmly on the there is a there's an Andy Robertson bandwagon which I'm happy to be semi part of, but um, you know he was a bit quieter in the second half. He got people will say he got his assist second half, and it was a lovely assist and a lot of work beforehand to get the assist. So I said to a couple of people on Twitter. That you know, he could easily have been an eight. He was more. If we did halves, then it would be it would be a he would have certainly have been a seven and a half. Um, I was torn between seven and eight, and decided to just give the eights to mainly the um, the lads at the front pitch. James Milner, I gave a seven to. He could easily have just been in an eight again. He was in that seven and a half territory. But the two full, I would say in my analysis, I highlighted Robertson and Trent Alexander Arnold as. Oh, I, thought, I thought we were going to get through it. <laughs> no, but it's genuinely <laughs> two young fullbacks who are absolutely making names for themselves at, at, at Liverpool at the moment. And um, I, I asked the manager about them afterwards, and uh, there's a piece on the site today about the fullbacks that PSC's put together from that answer. And it's, um, you know, he was talking, Jurgen, about the fact that, you know, how, where he's at with his fullbacks and how good a shape. Alberto Moreno's in, yet he can't give him a game, albeit he got him a few minutes at the end uh, on Saturday. Joe Gomez, you know, again, he's saying he's somebody who comes more from the centre and he sees him moving to the centre, which was interesting to see that that's very much still the plan. And, of course, Klein uh, making his comeback with the 23s yesterday mm. and getting 90 minutes. And, uh, uh, yeah, so full-back, which could have been a, a dodgy area for Liverpool at the start of the season... Very much a position of strength. But hasn't Klopp said that he sees Joe Gomez next season at centre back? Well, he said on Saturday. He said he's he, he said exactly that. He sees him not necessarily. Didn't mention next season, but he said you know he's Joe's very definitely more comes from the defensive side of being a fullback mm. and more from the centre. And he said and he'll revert to that. So that very much seemed that he sees him going to centre back. You would think next season. Joe, what, are we, what, what I like about Liverpool's fullback options is. You've got good options for different scenarios, haven't you? You've got, if you want to play a more defensive game, 
away from home, you can put bring Gomez in, certainly on the right, and, and Trent offers you a more attacking option at home, and, and probably maybe Moreno would offer you an even more attacking option than Robertson. But well, and the two young lads at right back, you know, at the start of the season when when Klein was out injured, we looked at them and said one of them stake a claim. Both of them have staked the claim, and they both of them have come in, and both of them have shown that they can they, they can both do jobs there. So um, it's quite exciting for Liverpool in terms of they've got Klein to come back. How, how does Klein just gonna, get the, back in the team? They're not going to. They don't have to rush him back, no, which is no. really good. I've, I've I've got a little feeling. He played for the twenty threes yesterday, of course, mm. for, completed ninety minutes. I've got a feeling he might get a little rouse against Porto. Klein, yeah. I feel like that that sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. you know it's sort of but the, but then it's United. Is it United? After that, yeah, after that, yeah. I can't I can't see Klein. I mean, he wouldn't anyway. But I mean, it's not like everybody's trying to rush back Nathaniel Klein because you'd have to get him back for the big game at Old Trafford. Mm. You could almost, and I don't think he would do this, but he certainly might be tempted. You could almost argue you're almost shelving till next season now yeah, because yeah. because Gomez and, and Trent are doing so well. I think the only thing that would stop him from doing that is, number one, he clearly rates Klein quite a lot and, and he's another senior member of the side in that team. And number two, he's very wary, isn't he? He's very mindful, Klopp, of, of, of overburdening both Gomez and, and Trent. So... It would make sense for one of them to to maybe step out for a little bit because we don't know what they are in terms of fitness levels now towards the end of the season. But in general, Klein, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he. But, but it's interesting how the manager then spoke about those of them. So he talks about Gomez as more of a defensive fullback. Then with Trent, he goes, he's like a street kid. He says some of the, those crosses filthy. Dirty, I think was his word. Do you know what I mean? That's that's great the way. That's probably he's seeing them very much the way most supporters see them. You know, talking about Robertson, you know, very att- attacking and Moreno in absolutely great shape as well. So um and Klein again, he, he says doesn't off he actually said, you know, not a lot going forward, but all you know, very good cover defender. So it's interesting. Damn, with faint praise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, was very, you know, he was saying very good defensively, very good cover. I, I think he thinks he thinks he knows how to play the position mm-hmm. more than any of the others, as you'd expect. So um, that was just dead interesting. And we're going to Old Trafford. You would might from that scenario, you might say, okay, well, he'd play as more defensive fullback at Old Trafford. But then, of course, Trent's first game start was at Old Trafford last season, mm-hmm. so he's been there and seen it and done well. So. Um, you know, position's just up for grabs. I mean, ultimately, at the moment, he's got an absolute bundle of options, Jurgen Klopp, across everywhere, probably, apart from the front three, and you're just and you're just saying, well, I don't want to change any of them anyway, Speak, and let them go. Speaking of the options then, at centre-back, he, Klopp went at the weekend with Van Dijk and Matip, and I know a lot of people, I was surprised, because it looks like, even though they've only played together a few times, that Lovren seems better suited to playing alongside Van Dijk. But Matip, again, if there was one worry from the weekend, it was his performance. I know, as Andy said before, he was up against Arnautovic, who was on one of his days where he looks kind of up for it, and he can be very difficult because he's quite a big a big lad. He's got you know, a fair amount of skill. Um, but Matip, it just for whatever reason this season, and we've mentioned this time and time again, it just doesn't seem to be happening for him. Without him making like the kind of massive blunder that, Lovren's capable of doing. Okay, he scored the on goal against against West Brom. That's probably the one where you think he's made a bad mistake. You could argue as well the Leicester goal 
when uh, I think he tried to give the ball to Chan, got into yeah, but yeah. Liverpool got away with that one by winning. It just doesn't seem to be happening for him, does it? He just doesn't, for me, and maybe this is just never going to be his game, he doesn't seem aggressive enough. Whereas Lovren at times is a little bit over-aggressive and tries to intercept things. The Tottenham goal, uh, the Tottenham halfway line mistake being the case in point, tries to jump in. Matip always seems to be very calm, almost too calm. And I think when players come and they're aggressive with him, like, like Arnautovic was, I think he just struggles. Uh, I do think Klopp picks his centre-halves based on, on the game. and I think if he thinks Liverpool are going to have more of the ball... He tends to pick Matip, and we see Matip. You know, I remember Huddersfield away was Swansea away. He basically Swansea played in midfield. Yeah, and and I think that's why Klopp does go with him. But I'd like to see Klopp get a settled pair in at the back, and and if it's going to be Lovren, because uh, there's still question marks in the summer. They might buy another centre half, might not they? But this, if you're going to see a pair, and I'd like to see Lovren line up alongside Van Dijk consistently. Um, but yeah, Matip, he just doesn't do it for me. Just. Too often seems to coast. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just the way. That's his style. Well, he's, he's quite. He's quite cool, isn't he? But, he's very languid. Yeah, isn't yeah, he? yeah. Yeah. I mean, I should say that probably for the West Ham goal. I mean, I thought he was. Te- he had really terrible first twenty-five minutes. Matip recovered better, and then second half he was all right. I thought the West Ham goal. Obviously, Chan loses it in midfield. Van Dijk is so casual at times. If you look at Van Dijk. They've just lost the ball in midfield mm. there at Liverpool. But he's, um, was it Cuarte, I think the challenge was with? He's in the centre circle. Now, it's not it's not a terrible place to lose the ball. It's not like you've lost it on the edge of your own box or something. He's in the centre circle. But if you look at Van Dijk, he's so, he's so sort of, well, we've just lost the ball. We'll, I'll sort this out. Did he perhaps think, think, think that Robertson was nearer to him? Because Robertson had possibly, gone. Had Robertson had obviously gone. gone. Yeah. Uh, which is the way Klopp side, but if that had been Moreno, probably he would have got some stick for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, to be fair, and then Van Dijk doesn't react straight away. He's sort of watching what's developing in the centre circle, and Antonio's off, you know, and you know keeps himself onside, and, the, and it's a good ball into it. And then Van Dijk goes. Now he's obviously got so much confidence in his ability to to make up ground at that point and block do the block. And if you look at the actual shot from Antonio, I think it actually ends up where he does get there, Van Dijk, and I think it's one of those where it slightly goes through his through his legs, just the way the Salah shot did with Cresswell. But um, he, if he'd actually gone straight away and sort of thought, danger, I'm off. But do you think he didn't want to overcommit? I think he was almost thinking, if I push him wide, the goalkeeper will save it or he won't get enough. Because to be fair, it was a good finish, wasn't it? You know, it, got, it was a good finish. I mean, when he was going through and about to shoot, I thought... Every chance carries will save yeah, this because yeah. he's got the angle on him. I did say, I mean, a good save, obviously, off Arnautovic. And when I saw the replay, Carries didn't really have much chance because no. it went right through the defenders, just under his leg and in yeah. off the sort of almost off the post. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's the only thing you can say about Van Dijk. But he, when you're in a situation where we conceded that goal, then everything was a lot calmer in terms of, oh, we're not going to suddenly concede two or three. Yeah. He, he just felt he was there. And uh, you know he won a couple of good balls in in both penalty areas, and uh, yeah, he just has to watch that over casualness. That there was one a few games ago, wasn't there, where he turned his back on somebody and gave away a corner at the um, at the cop end, where he was defending out wide. Somebody was about to cross it, and he, he literally turned his back, and it was a dribbly cross, hit him and went out. Well, there's there's never been the a Liverpool defender more casual than Alan Hansen, and he was okay. I'm not saying. I'm listen. I'm not. I'm picking 
I'm nitpicking, but if he's, if if you um, at this level, if we want this team to go win the European Cup, mm. and I think they can this um, season. Yeah, I've 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 said that since the start of the season, so it's no that's not a shock. Well, we're in the quarterfinals. Why could why can't they go and win it? Not in the quarterfinals, yeah. Well, okay. Let's, <laughs> okay. let's say we're in the quarterfinals. Why couldn't we go and win it? Because, to be honest, because of Man City and probably because of Tottenham. You can avoid Man, so Man City. City, who we've, we've Tottenham. beat less than... Oh, yeah, lost an aggregate. 8-4. Yeah. For quite a long got, period of which we had 10 men. Yeah, well, got beat by Tottenham away. And also, with the 4-1 up in the second leg, they're not getting it back to 4-3. Exactly. No, that was that was me saying Liverpool will go through. Yeah, but they lost 5 million in the first game, so it was all over. Listen, that's they're not really league games it. and they're not playing like a good, are they? You're right, they're not. Breaking. They're not. <laughs> so, so why, why are you using that? You, you know, I'm just thing. pointing out that just because Liverpool beat Manchester City oh, at home does not, does not mean... Which, know, why are you so obsessed with Tottenham? Why do you think Tottenham? You, can't, you, you know I'm a massive fan of Tottenham. You know, everybody knows I'm a massive fan of Tottenham. Liverpool could beat Tottenham home and away quite easily. But and which, Tottenham, which one of those Tottenham are a kind of team that I would sooner Liverpool played Manchester United in, in Europe because they did have more chances. So I don't want Liverpool anywhere near no, Manchester United. No, no, none of us want. No, we don't, I know. I never said that but I wanted them which are those, anywhere near. Which of those English sides are best set up for European football, even for a two-legged game where their crowd will make a difference? I think I know. <laughs> okay, so which which let's just ask the question then. Which your which English team is going to go furthest in the Champions League this year? You don't have to say whether they're going to win it or not. Which English team do you expect to be the last one in it? Liverpool, right? Liverpool and City. That's no, that's two. So I need one. I think I think they'll meet in the Good. final. <laughs> well, one's got to go. Yeah, well, so which one's got? So you think Liverpool? Liverpool. I, I, yeah. I think Liverpool. We're getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we? No, but that's why. But when we're, yeah, all I'm we're saying is, I'm not saying they're going to win it. But I think they've got they've got a good chance, and we should. And surely we're we're not at the point of thinking they can't win it anymore. Of course they can win it. Well, of course they can. Come win football's it, yeah. all about the draw as well, isn't it? You know, Man City as <laughs> good as they are, King, but, it, but as good as they are, they could get drawn against Chelsea in the next, uh, not Chelsea, Barcelona in the next round mm. and lose, and then they go out. And, and so it's not like Liverpool, the best team so doesn't Liverpool, always win. Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool could can, could feasibly, conceivably play. Shakhtar in the quarters yeah. that wouldn't be easy because that Fonseca is a decent manager but okay Shakhtar in the quarters let's say Tottenham in the semis you know with two legs well, I know but let's just say Tottenham and then you've got a one a, a, a one, one shot at Barcelona yeah. you or want Bayern or Bayern to be honest I want Barcelona to stick out Chelsea and then t- get Man City in the next round and just let them two you know that'd be an 8-7 game wouldn't it you'd think basketball I yeah. wouldn't be surprised to see United get into the final sorry everybody you always bring it down, Ian, don't you? <laughs> it's spelled, you, you know. see his little tweet yesterday praising United. God, he just can't help himself. Pra- oh, yeah, massive praise for them. He did. Basically, he said that they were rubbish. And then you were like, but that's all part of Mourinho's plan. They can be rubbish and they'll still be still finishing the top four. And where are they? Yeah, I I'm not done. What did he win last year? We don't all have to go on Twitter and shout about it, do we? I wasn't hardly shouting about it, was yeah, I? I think oh. what, what we should say is Liverpool... Have been yeah. It's like who would you see to watch Liverpool we, by a million miles? We, and they're adding the wins to to that's why how they are improving, and now they're becoming more difficult to beat. But they've got a full full strength squad almost. They're going well. We should say they have had a kind draw in Europe this season. Yeah. That's all you'd say. Yeah. They you know they had an easy group and made a couple of um, bad errors in it. But but that they, didn't had a, they had a potentially nasty qualifying round though. No, potentially nasty qualifying round and. A lot of people thought Porto were going to be better than they've proved so far. 
And maybe Porto are. Liverpool just had a really good game. Yeah, I think I think Porto are okay. They won five nil the day the few three days after. They we... were four nil up yesterday. I didn't check the final score, but they were four nil up again yesterday. Yeah. So they're no bugs, are they? They, they beat the fi- four days after we beat them five nil. They beat the fifth place team in Portugal five nil. So they are a good side, but they in terms of the draw, they were they were a side that we still thought we'd go and beat, which. The man known as Tall Paul Gorse made a good point to me yesterday. He said that a lot of people, if you go and win one not one nil away in Europe, which Mourinho does a lot, yeah. I'm sure Doyle would would call that a, a European masterclass. A European <laughs> masterclass is what Liverpool put on a Porto yeah. away from home. Yeah. They absolutely just no, the, the, that's the thing. After, after the Man United game last week, when when everybody was was waxing lyrical about you know it's a it's a perfect traditional European away performance. Yeah. No, I, I'd say we're in five nil in Porto. Yeah. Traditional <laughs> perfect Euro away performance. Going back to you know difficult draws, easy draws. Liverpool did well to even get in this competition because it was such it was a five team shootout. Well, maybe, let's say four because Chelsea ran away with it and. But it was a it was a real difficult league to qualify in the top four last season. So they deserve a bit of luck, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. In in in, in, in this, same, it's the same again this year. Liverpool are doing that on top of getting to the quarterfinals of the Champions yeah. League at the very least. So it's progress, you know. It's, it's undoubted. I, I, I just think you've got to grab your your opportunity because and I said I think I might have said this in the pod last week. If not, I said it in the pub. But essentially, <laughs> um, <laughs> some of those other teams in there are at, at, periods, at periods of their, of their cycle as a team where they're not at their strongest. You wouldn't say Barcelona, are at, they will be stronger next season, won't they? Um, Real Madrid certainly are going to go and buy people in, in the summer. Liverpool have got the front three that front three to dream of, and we know that we're going to have to fight off probably people in the summer, probably Real Madrid for Salah. So... This is this might be just the year that you need to just go. This is our year. We've got to massively go for it. And then if you go and win the European Cup, that sends a message to Mo Salah that you know if he stood there with all big ears in Kiev, going, you know, <laughs> you know that, that, that was, hand motion doesn't really come across on a I've podcast. Just, I've, I've metaphorically lifted the European <laughs> Cup on behalf of Mo Salah. <laughs> He's, he's given a wave to Joe in the crowd going, oh, there's your man from Penny. Yeah, he doesn't know that hand motion, does he? Just thanks. But, but it, it's a, it, that sends a message to everybody, doesn't it? So it's going to be massively difficult, all those things. Uh, you know, Jan Mulby in his column spoke about uh, Bayern Munich and how they, he sees them as the big, the big team to beat, really, now. But a lot of those teams are not at their best. United aren't, <coughs> aren't as good as a United team that... that that won a European Cup. Um, who else? Spurs are beatable. Come on, um, Man City pro are a team that's very, very good, but their defence is still suspect. And if we got a second leg against Man City, where it's at Anfield, I'd, I'd still fancy the golfing class between Liverpool and Manchester City this season is not as big as Liverpool and Chelsea in two thousand five. No, it is not. Yeah, totally. But but is the is the manager as good as the manager from two thousand five? Yeah. They're different types of managers. Yeah, exactly. Different types. Different types. All I'm saying is, what is Arabic for? How can I leave after a night like this? <laughs> <laughs> well, well there you go. You've already got your 5 a.m. sorted. I think uh, that should do us. Uh, join us later this week. Where we uh, ahead. Oh, hang on. No, sorry, hang on. Hang can on. I just sorry, say, sorry, sorry. You mentioned a win for the under 23s. Just want to mention great win for Stevie Gerrard's under 18s on Saturday morning. 2 uh, 1 against Wolves. Takes them uh, into second in the league, just behind United. 
and uh, load of players having their first game. Obviously, with all the young players moving up from the 16s, um, uh, Jack Byrne and Remy Savage got uh, goals on their first starts. Remy so, Savage? Remy Savage. Yeah, is, that, is, that, is that Robbie's son? <laughs> I suspect not. He has um, some brilliant hair. Well done to those two lads and all the young lads who made their uh, first starts and or debuts um, on Saturday for the under-18s. Well and, done. And who used to play for the under-18s? Go on. Somebody in the first team at the moment? Oh, Trent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, uh, join us later this week where we look ahead to the return of Rafa to Anfield. Cheers.